and welcome to ChamberCast, the Billings Chamber of Commerce's podcast, brought to you by Payne West Insurance. I'm your host, Jack Genoway. The month of May is beef month across the nation, and what better time to celebrate this powerful protein and leader in our state's ag industry. We are so excited for our guest this week, Shaylee Harney from the Montana Beef Council, Charlie Hollenbach from Cowboy Meats of Forsyth, and Macy Pearson from Blue Creek Marble Meats here in Billings. Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So Shaylee, we'll, we'll just go ahead and dive in. What would you, uh, could you give us an overview of what the Beef Council does, how it's funded, and why it's important to our beef producers? Absolutely. Thank you, Jack. So Montana Beef Council was created by cattlemen for cattlemen in 1954, and they created that to help get more beef on grocery lists and menus. And by the 1980s, a nationwide effort was in place and the federal beef checkoff was established. So each time cattle are sold, $1 is collected, and these funds are used specifically for beef promotion, research, education, and producer communications. Here locally, we have a 12-member board that administers the Montana Beef Council, and they represent nearly every segment of the beef supply chain through their volunteer services. Along with a small staff, the board searches for ways to build beef demand through promotional partnerships, health and nutrition awareness, cattle production and sustainability education, and a wide range of beef research and more. Some of the board members represent Montana even further and serve the state's beef producers on a national level. Montana Beef Council is proud of the state's agriculture heritage and works every day to get more beef on more plates. So there, I, full disclosure, I, you know, I grew up on a ranch and there are some things that you mentioned there that I wasn't even really aware of. Tell me a little bit more about the research component. Sure. So here in Montana, we don't do fund a lot of research specifically um, with our state, but we do on the national level. So on the national level, that might look like if you think back into the 1990s, they were doing a lot of muscle profiling research. And you may be familiar with the flat iron cut. Mm. That cut came out of beef research and beef checkoff dollars. So they studied different ways to cut up the shoulder and discovered the second most tender cut in the entire carcass, which is the flat iron. And then um, continuing that, that out through the rest of our consumer and food service efforts, then uh, that was first pushed to food service restaurants, you know, showcasing the flat iron to them. And then on to grocery stores, people, you know, would have the flat iron in a restaurant and then start asking for it at their local butcher or at grocery stores. So it helped pull the product through the supply chain. And now it's fairly standard to be able to find it everywhere. Other research we um, look at and is very important to us, of course, we have to have a safe product. So safety is top of mind, first and mm-hmm. foremost, continually funding beef safety research to make sure that we have a safe product, first and foremost, because if we don't, then we don't have consumers that want to buy our product. So safety is always top of mind there. Yeah. And then if, uh, people who are familiar with the beef checkoff are probably familiar with the promotion element of it. And some people have probably seen some of that material without even realizing it. Just give us a couple of examples of that. Beef it's us for dinner. Dun, dun, exactly. dun. Of course. So um, great branding that's been around since the 90s as well. And some wonderful promotional partnerships that we've had. Beef it's what's for dinner. Branding continues today. Very large, recognizable brand. But again, we work in all areas from food service to health professionals to classrooms and consumers, uh, barbecue cook-offs, anywhere that we can to make sure that beef is top of mind. Awesome. So this is a really exciting time for beef as an industry. So I'd like to ask all of you uh, just what you're working on lately. Let's start with Charlie. 
Yeah. So um, obviously processor out of Forsyth, Montana. So I, I work in the processing end of our, our vertically integrated operation. Uh, right now we're working on becoming a federal facility, uh, looking at being able to distribute meat uh, interstate commerce uh, while we're uh, building up distrib- distribution deals with uh, folks here in Billings and Bozeman. Um, trying to get the greater Yellowstone served. So we're expanding out. Uh, we do do all three species, but beef being our predominant. Um, we do do custom processing, and then we also do uh, wholesale marketing. So if somebody wants to buy an entire beef and get it cut up, they can come to you? Absolutely, yeah. So we do sell in holes, halves, quarters. Um, we're trying to put together some steak bundles for grilling season and being able to serve that consumer and uh, who's, ever, uh, who's ever looking to expand the beef menu. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people you know, who grew up in the industry are familiar with that model, but it's also become a lot more popular after the pandemic. As well. uh, absolutely. The COVID obviously pushed that, uh, that dynamic and, and how we, we shorten that supply chain from farmer to consumer very quickly. Um, holes, halves, and quarters has been a great mover for a lot of butcher shops here in the state of Montana and been able to service our, our local clientele very quickly. Okay. Macy, what are you working on? Yeah, absolutely. So we are a USDA inspected plant. So we have the ability to ship out our beef nationwide. And it's been such a blessing to us. Something we just recently are progressing in is beef bacon. And so we just got our program written with the USDA. So we hope to start producing beef bacon. And because, you know, everyone has jerky. Everyone has their Mm -hmm. beef sticks. Like we want to specialize in something that's more unique. So we're going to do beef bacon. And then we also have been working on growing our numbers. We are just a beef processing facility. So we are processing around 20 cattle each week. But by the end of the year, since we are so new, we are hoping to grow to 40 head by the end of the year. And then we also are just ordered a bull cutter and we'll be the, the only ones in Montana with a bull cutter. And with that bowl cutter, we are hoping to make an American Wagyu hot dog. <laughs> so, uh, talk about what a bowl cutter is for anyone. Yeah, who's not absolutely. With that. So it's like a grinder, and it has blades in it that chops it so finely. Like there will be no, like cause sometimes you get chewy parts of burger, mm-hmm. but it'll be chopped so fine, it'll be so smooth, and it'll help us create the hot dog we're going after. <laughs> So you're, uh, so you're able to, you, I mean, so Charlie, you gave us a pretty good idea of what, who your main customer is. That's like, you know, the custom, mm-hmm. somebody with their own beef that wants to yep. get it custom cut up. Um, Macy, what is, uh, who are your customers? Like what, where can somebody find Blue Creek meat? Yeah, absolutely. So we also do custom processing. We are want to end co-packaging with a few farmers and ranchers that are located around the state. But we are fortunate enough to have our own cattle that we raise right on our own feedlot across from the processing facility. So we have been selling beef with Town & Country, uh, the grocery chain, and Billings, Livingston, and Bozeman. We also serve some of our beef in local restaurants around here that we've been working with. Okay, I want to come back to that. But first, uh, Chaley, is there anything else that you Beef Council is working on that you wanted to cut? Well, nice segue from beef bacon, actually. We just wrapped up um, ending April with the Montana Meat Processors Convention that we um, sponsor and participate in, which Charlie's a member of and represents on our board. And one of the fun things that I found there was they do a lot of cured meat and and fresh meat contests um, as part of that, which we sponsor an innovative beef contest. But they had a, a category called specialty bacon. And the top 
four entries in the specialty bacon contest this year were beef bacon. So, ah, you're welcome. Beef is definitely <laughs> doing its job. Um, very fun to have that. I need to try that. Very good. Yes, I highly recommend it. It's a great alternative. Yes, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, kosher product as well and leaner. So, um, pretty exciting to have that uh, beef another way on the menu. But as far as what we're working on, of course, May is beef month. So, we'll be highlighting that. Have some partners that we're doing with Western Ranch Supply as well as Wendy's. So some fun things that you'll see there. And then coming up on our radar, it's just going to get busier and busier. We have uh, fourth grade farm fairs and barbecue cook-offs. So a lot of fun things going on. And then, of course, just wrapping up um, Earth Day on April 22nd, we were able to highlight a lot of uh, beef and, and cattle as part of a sustainable solution for our earth and making sure that consumers are, are aware and feel comfortable in consuming beef because it is a sustainable solution. We will make sure to put some links in the show notes to any of that stuff if listeners are curious about learning more about any of that sort of stuff. So, uh, Macy, you touched on a little bit of this already, but I really wanted to, something I wanted to dig into today was, you know, what is the real impact on the producer of buying beef locally rather than just from, you know, your regular chain grocery store? Yeah, absolutely. I think buying beef locally gives the consumer more peace of mind. Like they know where their beef's coming from. They don't have to worry about it getting shipped out from another state. They don't know what happens along in that process with it in that facility. But our facility being here in Billings and all the cattle being raised and fed in Billings, like literally they're born here and they're finished here. That I hope that would give the consumer a peace of mind where they know that their beef is getting well taken care of from start to finish till it's on their plate. Charlie, do you have anything you wanted to add there? No, I, Macy covered it very well there. You know, it's it's something that you can go see, whether it's my retail store or Macy's. Um, when we get into this local side of marketing, you're looking at when you go to buy a pound of burger, you're looking at the DNA sample of probably one to two animals mm-hmm. within that one chub. Um, when you go into larger box stores and you start looking at the national conglomerate of, of packers and and what we've seen in that industry, you start to see that you could have five, 600 DNA samples within one, one, one uh, burger chub. Wow. So when we shortened up that local uh, supply chain, we really increased the efficiency. So that's allowing us to be competitive in this market. Um, so buying local is so key, understanding the story of where it came from, understanding what the Yellowstone Valley can produce and what the value add chain is at, um, when we're buying corn from local farmers, when we're buying the beef out of the sale barn right here from different cow-calf producers or we're raising it on our own and then we're feeding it with local labor and then we're cutting it with local labor. You got that whole supply chain um, convening under under one roof. Um, one thing that I would like to uh, uh, talk about is the inefficiencies of the larger packing chains and what you see in that um, as far as when we're shipping cattle down to eastern Nebraska, western Kansas, um, we're having to sell all those cattle at wholesale and we're buying them back at retail. Um, that's a very inefficient model for how good of resources Montana actually has. And we raise some of the world's greatest beef and we do fully believe that. Uh, just one last plug I wanted to make too, is if you're looking for local beef uh, anywhere throughout the state, visit Montana Beef Council's website where you can find the Montana Beef Directory. And there is an interactive map and you can find, uh, jump to your county and find local beef near you. Awesome. One of the, the thing that I kind of wanted to drill in on, though, is like, and and Shaylee, maybe you have some insight on this. Is, um, you know, the Im- the direct impact on the producer. You know, does that 
change very much when you're buying locally or, you know, is it really just, you know, prices set by kind of global aggregate demand that matters for cattle prices? I think I will let Charlie and Macy take that one. I mean, they're the ones purchasing directly from the the uh, producers and, you know, helping their bottom line. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, basically, when we shored up and, and we tightened up that supply chain, there was less... Uh, for lack of a better term, middlemen that we were having to deal sure. with in between that. So we picked up those efficiencies, whether it was between the farmer and the processor that bought that beef directly. We do have external influences. Obviously, we have to stay within a price competitive market. That's yeah. where uh, somebody like myself, I utilize uh, Beef It's What's For Dinner and their wholesale foods updates so I can understand where our trends are going and what consumers are really going after and where the value in the beef is be is being produced at. Um so, so there is some real dollar advantages there. There are disadvantages. We're very rural. We don't have very many people. Um, so in order for us to get those logistic chains put together, uh, it takes a lot of resources and it, it takes years to put that all together. And we've been really trying hard since 2020 to put that together. Um, and I'm sure Macy's seen the same thing and I'll let her take over. But uh, that's something that, that we see as far as building this market out and increasing beef demand locally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, back during 2020, we all saw how fragile the food chain was. You'd go to the grocery store, there was no eggs, there was no meat on the shelves. So when you go there, you're like, it, it was crazy. We all thought that would never happen. And it's so fragile and how it can be changed. And so going direct to the producer and buying beef from them, you know, you will have that steady, constant flow of beef. You don't have to rely on your grocery store to get your beef, but you can rely on the farmer and rancher themselves. Join the Billings Chamber of Commerce for the 2023 Chamber Open, brought to you by TDS Fiber. It's full of networking, par shots, and birdies rolling in the cup at the Briarwood Golf Course on Friday, June 23rd. There will be incredible hole prizes from the longest drive to the most shots it takes to get to the green. Teams are available with shotgun time starting at 7.30 a.m. or 2 p.m. Register your team of four for just $700 at billingschamber.com. Don't swing and miss out on networking and building relationships at the 2023 Chamber Open. So let's let's stay on supply chains for a minute. Uh, just talk a little bit about what your supply chain looks like. You know, from from calf to table. Either one. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. You can take Start. this one first. Okay. So my family, we're we are with Griffin Land and Cattle. So that's who raises our cattle. My mom does all the cattle registration. My fiance, he actually does the feeding, and so it's a whole family affair. So once we start breeding the cattle and the calf is born, they are fed with, within our program and we all ensure the best quality we can take of our cattle. And then we open our own packing plant so that also stays within our whole entire program. So we get the cattle from Griffin Land and Cattle and then process them. And so then we also sell directly to the consumer so it goes directly to your plate. But we are dabbling around in the wholesale as well. So if somebody wants to buy directly from you, how would that go? How would they go about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we are selling in holes, quarters, and halves. And then we do, we don't necessarily have a retail front, but you can come visit us up at our facility and we have our freezer up there and you can purchase individually by cuts. We have a website you can place orders on. We have also not been able to sell, we've been able to sell locally, but we've also been able to sell nationally. We've been able to ship our orders all the way from New Jersey to California where people can try our Montana beef. Gotcha. 
So and and that just would would just be for somebody who's wanting to buy in larger quantities. For the most uh, part, right? Well, we have small little bundles on our okay. websites that we ship. It's definitely more pricey to ship a whole cow to sure. New Jersey, so we <laughs> haven't done that yet. But <laughs> what about you, Charlie? Yeah. Um, so a lot of the same story as Macy. Uh, got a cow calf operation um, out northwest of Billings here at Molt, Montana. Um, cattle are then fed out at, at Park City, Montana, and then they're brought down to the packing plant in Forsyth, Montana. So about a hundred mile radius there that we're covering as far as what our logistics look like. Um, and then as far as marketing back out, we do have a truck that comes through every Monday that picks up all of our wholesale items, begins distributing those throughout the valley. Um, and then we also have a retail front. So we have a full retail store. So being able to come in, pick up individual cuts and whatnot. And then we've been doing kind of hustle delivery back into Billings. Uh, if somebody's ordering holes, halves and quarters and some of those retail cuts. So most of it's a uh, phone outreach right now until we go to become a federal facility. Then we'll have an online store and be able to give folks more options to purchase some great local product. OK, so you both mentioned that you kind of have a little bit of vertical integration, right? Mm -hmm. You you uh, own the, you know, the cattle production and the processing facilities. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's kind of the key to success for, for meat production? Or do you think there are other models out there that work for others? Um, I, it's not the only way to do it. It's the reason that we did it, but it's not the only way. There's a lot of successful plants out there. Um, just taking, taking, for example, ranch house meats here in, in, in Shepherd. They've done a fantastic job. Don't really have a production element to them, but been able to market that meat. So it's really getting the value add, finding the niches in the market and being able to push, uh, push product, um, to where the consumer really needs it. Uh, so this isn't the only model, but it worked really well for what we were uh, wanting to get into. Yeah, I totally agree with Charlie on that. There are so many different ways you can do it and integrate it to help your business be successful. Since we do have the cattle right across the street, that has been it has worked great for us. If we if someone cancels their custom processing, we can be like, OK, let's add two of ours. <laughs> and it's fairly simple. But Whatever works best for that person and their business is what they should do. One, one avenue that I wanted that Macy already touched on that is becoming a growing segment is the co-pack model where we're able to sell our services back to somebody who wants to become a vendor themselves. So there's that model also. So if you are in the production realm and want to be in the meat realm, we have these custom services available where you have just the same avenue that I have to go market locally. And uh, my team's more than happy to help you sit down and uh, and work with you developing that marketing plan and making sure that we're moving beef. Because if, if you may be servicing a market that that I don't have a ton of interest in or I don't have the right model for. So we, we can pick up those efficiencies very quickly. That makes sense. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about how people can find local beef. And Shaylee, you already mentioned the beef directory. Uh, what other resources are out there? What other, what else should people be looking for if they want to, you know, take advantage of that higher quality that you can find locally? One, one, one resource. I do wear two hats. So I work with the beef council. I sit on their board, but I also sit on the board of the Montana meat processors and Montana meat processors also has a directory of local uh, butcher shops, processors on their website that you can go. So if you're in the greater Billings area or anywhere across the state of Montana and even into some of our partners that are out of state, um, you can go find great local butcher shops that'll get you served right. And actually, we dovetail very nicely. Another partnership with the Montana Meat Processors is uh, every month, twice a month, we draw for someone across the state, and they just have to be a Montana resident to win $50 worth of beef. So whether you're in 
Missoula or Seiko or wherever, we find a local processor then near that customer that has won that. And then the local processor fulfills that. So Montana Beef Council pays that for that $50 worth of beef and beef product, but we find that local processor near them. So they're able to enjoy some local product. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in signing up for that. So we'll <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely put links in the show notes to that as well. Um Charlie and Macy, your families have been raising beef for a number of years, but you're fairly new to meat processing. Um, tell us your story about how you got into that avenue of it. And, you know, what what just drew you to the processing element of it? You want to take it first? You can go. Oh, I can take that one first. <laughs> Let me right. think about it. <laughs> no, uh, so when we got into when we got into processing, we we took over C and K Meats uh, back in July of 2020. Um, obviously 2020 was a very roller coaster year, especially in the first quarter, um, looking at when COVID took hold, what it did to the supply chain and then what it did to beef demand at that point. Um, obviously the demand had skyrocketed, but we didn't have a supply chain that was able to, to, uh, accommodate that. So we had prices going through the roof, but we couldn't get any cattle through the plants as the plants were slowing chain speeds. Um, so then we were sitting on a commodity that we were looking at our break even, looking at above a dollar, um, we were selling 70 cent fat cattle. So how could we pick up this disparaging and, and get some parity in the market? And that's when we decided to bail in and, and start a packing facility, um, being able to move our product vertically. Um, then at the, at the same time, we saw other custom processors were having trouble with the demand. So we thought it was kind of a win-win being able to take our own cattle in and get some value for them. And then also bringing other folks' cattle in and try and get value pushed out that direction. Um, trying to make the whole system more, uh, more sustainable. And so that was the biggest push behind us getting it. Also, we have a large lamb component to our operation. So we're trying to push more and more lamb because um, the lamb uh, experienced the same thing that the beef did. Obviously, this is beef month and want to stick with that. But but that was another component that really pushed us in that direction and, and making sure that we were getting a sustainable ag product across the table and getting to the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Going off of Charlie, we saw the same thing during 2020. So my family, we had the Griffin land and cattle. My grandpa was getting beef processed at other custom processing facilities. And during that time, we had a really hard time getting our beef in. We had to wait eight to nine months to get it processed. We have been fortunate enough to be self-funded. My grandpa, he also has the auto auction in Montana. And so he saw a demand for this. And he wanted to work on his passion, his cows. He loves his cows. And so he wanted to find a way to make the ranch more profitable. So he saw this business opportunity. He's a businessman to his core. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm going to build a beef processing plant. And so that has been quite an adventure for our family. We've had its ups and downs, and we're still trying to figure out what's working best for us. We just opened in July, the end of July in 2022. And this idea came upon him in, I want to say, 2019, 2020. But he saw the demand and business is his thing. And so this is our new business adventure that we're going to try to see where we go with it. Yeah. You know, it's been a, a, a news item that kind of came to a lot of people's minds, you know, during the pandemic and the years following the consolidation in the meat industry and that sort of gap between, you know, cattle prices and meat prices, what you're paying at the grocery store. Um, 
And so, you, you know, that created that business opportunity that you saw there. But you were, were either of you sort of motivated directly by, you know, trying to compete with like the big packers and try to break up that consolidation a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, geographically, geographically, we're just in such an advantage region. When you take a look at the amount of cattle that are leaving the state of Montana on a daily basis and moving to different parts of the U.S., and then uh, what we could do actually do here locally, keeping the corn here and keeping all the byproduct here and being able to market that stuff um, feasibly. So that was something that that was directly on our mind. And uh, uh, we feel like we're competing. Um, we do have some efficiency issues that we're taking care of. Um, but that's as an industry as a whole in trying to get this product where we're so carbon rich and we're so uh, rich in nutrients up here and marketing that to the world to get the dollars coming back so that we can build that infrastructure and make sure that the capital's coming to where uh, we could really use it. Okay. Uh, the last question I wanted to ask before we want to close out is, you know, what tips do any of you have? We all know that, you know, cost of living is going up, inflation is an issue. What tips do you have for, you know, stretching that dollar a little bit and keeping beef on the table? Well, I would encourage everyone to visit beefwithsutsfordinner.com. And on there, we have a number of fun ways to have beef on a budget, including great leftover videos featuring renowned chefs. We also have batch cooking, which is using cuts like a roast, uh, which is great for slow cooking, but then can help you create multiple meals to extend the protein uh, for convenient meals on the go as a mom and, you know, busy family and professional. It's great to have those um, access to, you know, good ideas uh, throughout throughout the day to make sure we can extend that. And of course, um, something like that batch cooking can be easily done with steak too, if you ever have steak leftovers at your house. Um, and then of course, all beef cuts contain essential uh, nutrients like zinc, iron, and protein that power healthy, active lifestyles that we live. And some affordable cuts, um, you know, to look for are chuck eye roast, sirloin tip steak, brisket, and top round steak. And again, all of that is at beefwithsutsfordinner.com where you can find any recipe and any cut to fit your budget and your needs. Yeah, because of course, ribeye is always going to be expensive. <laughs> but, but We hope. We yeah. hope it's always expensive. <laughs> <expense. laughs> always there, tasty. Yeah, there are, you know, there are, there's plenty of other, other cuts that, you know, a lot of people do overlook that you can get a, get a tremendous amount of value out of if you know what you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything that any of you wanted to touch on today before we wrap up? I mean, big and best cost saving option, I, I believe, for folks is the holes, halves and quarters industry. I mean, that is where we can really bundle that deal together, really get the icing on the cake with your ribeyes, your tenderloins, your porterhouses and all those high end cuts and marry that in with with uh, higher value cuts like your sir tip, like your uh, chuck eye roast and some of those things. on. So when you blend that together, um, that really does have an economic advantage if that's if that's the direction that you want to go. And it's very sustainable and, and, and it's a great, it's a great buy. You can feel good about buying locally when you go and put forth that model. Yeah. And it gives you some peace of mind too. You know, you've got beef in your freezer. Uh, you, yeah, you, as long as you're not about to run out, you know, you, you have a little bit of a security blanket there in terms of your, your monthly food budget. It is a good feeling. And I, I can certainly attest to having a half a beef in your freezer and you use those cuts that you like first and then you have yeah. maybe a lot of those roasts or cuts that you aren't as familiar with or maybe they seem more like winter um, season type cuts so definitely encourage everyone to visit beef with Toast for dinner for all of that inspiration to make sure you're utilizing those cuts in the best ways and that you can think of different ways to create wonderful meals for your family yeah 
Yeah, when you've got a half a beef in your freezer, you usually find a lot of good hamburger recipes after you run out of steak. <laughs> Very <quickly. laughs> All right. So at the end of every episode, uh, we like to do this thing we call the Rorschach questions. So these are questions that we've not prepped you on okay. uh, that are just kind of a little bit more fun and, and light and kind of get to know you a little bit. Uh, so this is one that we always ask anytime we're talking about agriculture. What is your favorite cut of beef? Macy. I love rib steaks. <laughs> They're my favorite, especially the American Wagyu rib steaks. When I tell you they melt in your mouth like butter, they do. You can cut it with a fork. <laughs> Daily? I'd have to go with flank steak. A uh, big fan of tacos. Cinco de Mayo is coming up. So a lot of great things you can do with flank my steak. My kindred spirit. Everybody <laughs> always says ribeye, and I always say flank steak. Tri-tip might be second, but really great. Charlie? Yeah, Tri-tip or flat iron, those are two value cuts that I see that uh, are just unparalleled in marbling, being able to take on that fat cap, um, really take on a great cook. Um, when I'm doing barbecue competitions and cooking for other folks, that tri-tip is just hard to beat. Yeah. Got a medium rare center and you could really, you can do anything with it. Yeah. We'll start with Shaylee this time. Uh, in one word, what does the beef industry mean to you? Integrity. You explain a little bit. <laughs> oh, it was one word though, yeah. Jack. Um, I think integrity and in that just, I have never found a more wonderful people to work with and work for, work alongside. Um, it, just really uh, wonderful grit and determination and passion for what they're doing. Um, lots of ups and downs and cycles in the industry, but yet they get up every day and um, figure out a way to put a smile on their face and love what they do. And love love the lifestyle that they're living. So um, I really feel like there's a lot of integrity in our industry, and and I look forward to enhancing that. Okay, Charlie. If I had to sum her down to one word, I would say sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, that's my greatest uh, attribute towards beef. Um, I believe it's sustainable from an economic model. If we can, if we, if you apply the right capital and get your right chains together, it's it's sustainable from an economic model. Um, emotionally, I believe it's it's very sustainable, the way that it raises families, the way that it keeps communities together, the way it supports one another. Um, emotionally, it feels very good. And then environmentally, um, when we take a look at, at all the innovations that have been made in, in beef grazing and being able to uh, sustain environments, build back watersheds, uh, much of what uh, Beef Checkoff has, has alluded to this last month with Earth Day, um, I, I believe sustainability is one of the greatest foundational blocks that uh, that beef has going forward. Okay. Macy? The beef industry to me is all about passion. The seeing my grandpa raise his cows and being a rancher, he is so passionate about the industry and the, the end product he provides to his consumers. I I would say I haven't met one rancher that isn't passionate about what they do. It's a hard industry to be in. You have to get up when it's negative 40 degrees out to feed those cows. It's something they are passionate about and care for. And it's a, a, a product they want to provide to the consumers. And we couldn't have beef without the ranchers and farmers that have that passion provided. Okay. Um, last but not least, what is your favorite season in agriculture and why? We'll start with you this time. I would have to say spring. Because that's when the calves are born, and it's cute seeing them run around in the yeah. field. <laughs> I'd probably go with spring as well, of course, with May and beef month, and we're gearing up for a summer grilling season. So it's just the start of a lot of excitement and anticipation. 
I don't mean to set the world on fire, but my movie Spring also. Uh, spring just seems to be, uh, obviously, it's a little time in between where we had a hard winter, but we celebrated the holidays with family. And then we're going into the grilling months and, and really pulling up some deep beef demand from there. But that spring area is kind of kind of almost a celebration time of the hard winter celebrating that hard winter that we've we've come through we're having our calves we're having our lambs and then being able to push into them summer months and really go get some economic progress after that all right well thank you all very much for joining me today uh and happy beef month thank you for all that you do thank Thank you thank you thank you so much to charlie macy and chaley for joining us today and thank you very much to Payne west for sponsoring chambercast make sure to check the show notes for information on the things that we talked about today if you would like to advertise with us, suggest a topic, or ask a question, please feel free to email us at podcast at billingschamber.com. If you like what you hear, please feel free to rate us on your preferred podcast platform or recommend us to a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to Chambercast wherever you get your podcasts because there is something here for everyone.